Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci of Fatucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. The U.S. avoids economic chaos by finally passing the debt ceiling bill. Consumer confidence hits a six-month low in May, all the while employment data released just this week shows 10.1 million job openings in the month of April alone. Welcome once again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus year financial manager and best-selling author Pat Fitucci, along with our own Don't Invest and Forget man on the street, Charlie Cohen, and I'm Craig Roberts. Well, Pat, it's been a bit of a drag race to the cliff here, at least politically and perhaps even economically with all of this debate and discussion about will they or won't they, and if they don't, what will happen? And now it seems as if at the very last minute, the 11th hour, they have finally come to an agreement on the debt ceiling. And I'm sure Wall Street and investors are breathing a collective sigh of relief. It was unlikely they were going to default, that that would have created lots of chaos, lots of anxiety, lots of stress. It was just a matter of how they're going to negotiate. Of course, this agreement, the Democrats aren't happy, the Republicans aren't, aren't happy. That probably means it's a reasonably good agreement. When both parties, whether whoever's negotiating, whatever you're negotiating, if both parties think it's not a great deal, it's probably right in the middle where it should have been. And a couple of things that I know of so far without reading the uh, legislation is that the billions of dollars that were not spent on COVID will be clawed back and put back into the budget. And the other provision I like, and it's going to affect you and I and the rest of our listening audience, is that the stipends that folks were getting for sitting on the couch and, and being certainly capable of working, but just not wanting to work, that cash flow will cease Perhaps Starbucks will go back to regular operating hours. All of the help wanted signs in every retail shop you walk in, construction world, can't find help. Maybe now we'll start to see 
uh, some of that labor returning to the market because they're not getting a check in, in the mail every week or in their direct deposit in, into their account. And even though they're living with mom and dad in the basement or in the spare bedroom because they came back as a boomerang kid and could not make it, maybe now they'll be forced to take some work efforts under their belt. Those are the two provisions I'm aware of. I'm looking forward to reading all of it, but I don't think we've addressed the long-term problem of the $31-plus plus trillion issue, and it's still a giant light on Let's face it, we were only talking about 15% of the annual budget. The other 85% is already set in stone. It, it's military spending, it's Social Security, it's all the uh, social programs were never on the table. So we're really only talking about 15% of the budget, which admittedly is a big number, but you're not going to move the needle too much when you're looking at $31 trillion and you're, you're only negotiating the 15% of the budget that is even up for discussion. So putting it in perspective, it's not a big deal. I think we take much more harder look and any politician that says, I think we should reduce your social security checks or increase your your eligibility for Social Security until age 70, which probably is the right answer. What politician is going to do that? You saw President Macron in France trying to increase retirement age. I think it's from 62 to 64. And there were millions of people riding in the streets. And so you'd see a like reaction if any politician would look at the numbers and say, this is headed for disaster. We have to do something radical. No, because they want to get elected to this cushy job that they have and you ignore the elephant in the room and you just go on and pretend life is wonderful. You put your rose colored glasses on, you drink the Kool-Aid in Washington, D.C., and everybody is happy until they're not happy. I was just going to mention, Pat, those two things you mentioned, those are pretty easy to do. Sending people money because of COVID? No, of course we don't. No more than we do for a chicken pox or something at this at this point. And, Charlie, and then the other things, these are pretty easy solutions. Why has it taken a month or whatever to come up with this? Could have done this in an hour. Charlie, you're so old-fashioned, really. <laughs> you, you Don't go into politics. You will not get elected. You're too logical. You're too pragmatic. Stay on the tennis courts. Stay on the pickleball courts. It ain't happening. They should have called me, Pat. They I, should have called you. They're real easy to do. Well, it's been an interesting week. Other than uh, that, 10 million, 10.1 million job openings. I feel like this is where when the boogie whip operators went out of business because Ford started building cars and it was just not the qualified people, boogie whip builders, and now they got cars we're kind of going through the same kind of transition with artificial intelligence everywhere you look. We just don't have the qualified people to fill some of these brand new jobs, even programmer analysts, which was my original job a hundred years ago. Now artificial intelligence is taking over coding and programming. So uh, if you've looked at this chat GPT app, you can put in, you know, a brief little, I want to go to Greece and I, I want to spend time on the beach. And it gives you paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of what to do in Greece, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's just the artificial intelligence element. We're just beginning to see some profound effects. And so these 10 million job openings needs a whole host of different 
qualified folks that clearly we don't have. And so we'll see how we get some people retrained in some of these new technical developments. Pretty exciting. And, you know, there's all these scare tactics about the robots are going to take over our jobs. Charlie, you better be careful because I, I saw a robot that could do what you do for half cost. So. Oh, no. Yeah. What about, I wonder if a robot can play pickleball. Tried Probably that, yeah. kick your butt on the pickleball court. Absolutely. Well, Elon Musk can't be too happy. Twitter has been stated as it's worth only $8.8 billion. We know he paid $44 billion. But I think time will tell if he gets us back up to some much more significant net worth. He transitioned the company from politically influenced company pretty heavily from from the evidence that we've been hearing. And so it's kind of rebuilding the whole thing from the from the ground up. I think he's lost half of the staff. We'll see how he rebuilds this um, Twitter company into hopefully back up to $44 billion. 1.4 million square feet of Silicon Valley Valley office space for rent. Google downsizing in a big, big way. Mountain View, Sunnyvale, big openings. It's a part of a much broader effort to cut costs, which, by the way, includes laying off 12,000 employees. So commercial office space is in a glut. Lots of it available for a discount compared to what they were getting just a year or two ago. And so not sure how this is going to affect the banking system, which is fairly fragile. And any bank that's got exposure to office buildings or even retail, we know retail's hurting as well, and they can't pay their rent, and these owners of these buildings have to go into default. What does that mean for the banks holding all those mortgages? Not sure I'd want to be the president of one of these regional banks that a couple, three, five years ago, funding a new office building looked like a pretty solid effort. And now all of a sudden, it looks not such a great effort. So I think the other shoe is going to drop in that area in a pretty severe way. State Farm pulling out of California. The uh, fires are just too expensive to bear. You just can't create enough premium to cover the risk of fires. And so effective this past weekend, State Farm will no longer insure property sales in California. They're not canceling current ones, but they're not writing new applications as of this past weekend. And so, you just can't, you can't price it. it. You know, when you when a $5 million home gets burned down or 10 of them or 20 of them or a hundred of them, there's just not enough premium to make sense of that. So, so, Pat, can we can we say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is now not there? Uh, I, I think that's got to be their new um, their new jingle. And um, you may want to call them. And I, I like the nuance that you put on that, Joel. You, you, you may be the new spokesman. Good thing. I'll wait for the phone call. Americans feeling a little less confident in the economy. Uh, interest Mortgage interest rates hit 8%. They're back down to about 7 right now. But the survey noted a short-term outlook of our income Business and labor conditions fell slightly across all age income groups. And so plans to purchase auto or big ticket appliances is certainly in question. And we'll have to see how that all works out. If you're buying anything with a Visa card or a MasterCard or a Macy's card or whatever, the interest rates, you look at the little fine print at the bottom of those statements, 
the fine print is going to give you some really serious interest rate shock. And that, that simply means pay your, you know, pay your card before that comes up. Then you have no interest rate, right? Yeah, and lots of, you know, Goldman Sachs announcing another 250 jobs. This is more on the uh, 3,000 job cuts they made in January. So we've got a kind of a Silicon Valley white collar serious reduction in uh, employment when Google and um, and Facebook and all these other companies and these these guys and gals are making you know. 750 grand, a million dollars. You can't go across the street and pick up that million dollar job again. So this is the, the white collar inflation recession that may, may get a lot more serious based on, on the patterns and trends that we've been, that we've been seeing. Pat, I, I have a question about social security. We have, we have a lot of billionaires If people have a bi- if you're making a billion dollars, you're a billionaire. Are they collecting Social Security at a $2,000 a month check? Well, of if course. they have billions of dollars, do we need them? To, do they really need to get a Social Security check? Absolutely. Can you reach a point where they say, well, we, we don't need that. They probably don't even know they're getting it anyway, but, it's, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I would not even call it a rounding error because they, it's, it pays for last night's dinner. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're eligible and they're entitled. So it's going to be taxable. People in the United States are going to get a Social Security check for that, two, three thousand dollars a month. Elon Musk, when he gets to be of age, <laughs> and Warren Buffett, I'm sure he's oh, yeah. he's eighty, what eighty nine or something years old. He'll he's going to get a they, he gets a Social Security check. They donate that to something. They're pretty phil- philanthropic in giving away That's millions, true. if not billions, and so you know it it goes in today and it's out tomorrow to some that's the nice part about capitalism I mean, people are critical of capitalism because it creates billionaires and, and when billionaires pass on or even during their lifetime turner of turner broadcasting gave a billion dollars to um the un for children starving around the world and so you know, let them make their billions. They're smart. They're ingenious. They've, they've created a whole new industry or a whole new market or a new company, whatever the case might be. But we really live less than 100 years old and 100 years later, billions away to, to wonderful causes. Look at, look at the Gates Foundation funding healthcare in emerging countries that can't afford vaccines. And so that's the, the upside of capitalism. And we saw the earlier generation, J.P. Morgans of the world, donate, you know, build libraries and, and uh, museums and fund hospitals. Here we've got Zuckerberg hospitals. He's got his name on a couple of hospitals. So we've got Mark Zuckerberg, to his credit, donating millions of dollars to hospitals. And we've got Benioff, the president of uh, Salesforce, donating Billions of dollars. Capitalism works. Yeah, and these guys deserve to live a palatial lifestyle. They've created lots of jobs. They've created lots of millionaires through stock acquisitions. And during their lifetime and when they pass on, they leave giant chunks of money to great causes. So, you know, this whole socialism idea that seems to be emerging out of college campuses, I think somewhere I saw a study like 43% of young people think socialism is a better better system. 
Well, they need to go to Venezuela and other socialistic countries and see how, how it doesn't really work. You don't motivate John and Mary on the street to start a company because they're, they're defeated before they even wake up in the morning. That's my rant, how effective capitalism is. Well, the other thing is, I mean, it, it's nice that when, when, you, when you have so much money that a lot of those people that you talked about do, uh, they can't spend it fast enough on just regular stuff like we do all the time. So it's nice that they do, you know, donate a lot of those things or come up with a lot of charity, uh, you know, ideas for their money and, you know, and, and pass it on. You know, good for them. We, we ought to applaud that. I saw this morning on the news, Elon Musk is now, again, the richest man on the planet, something like $193 billion. And somebody did the arithmetic. He could spend $56 million per day for the next decade and would not run out of money. So uh, $56 million a day, you can buy a whole bunch of toys with that, right? For sure. So $193 billion. What's going to happen when he passes on or... And he's been gracious in, in his philanthropic ways as well. So it speaks well of the character of some of these leaders of industry and these captains of industry that work their butt off for their whole life and have the right to drive fancy cars and have 10 houses around the planet. And uh, they pass on and leave a legacy behind. It's been a look on this segment of Don't Invest and Forget at the events of the week and their impact on your financial life. If you have any questions about topics discussed on the program or perhaps you'd like to take advantage of that financial health and retirement plan review held in any of the Bay Area offices or by phone or certainly over the Internet, why don't you make your appointment today? That second opinion, an analysis of where you stand today and a better understanding as to whether or not you're on the right track on your road to retirement. To schedule your appointment, call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or schedule your appointment online by going to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. While there, you can take advantage of all kinds of great retirement planning resources and interesting educational articles. Again, at don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget, invest and forget, invest and forget. Today, I look at navigating your investments in turbulent markets. As we've seen Wall Street shift from bullish to bearish, how do you decide when to hold and when to fold? Today, a look at developing a strategy to survive turbulent markets. And you know, Pat, it's ironic. Older Americans certainly remember previous downturns. We don't have to go back to 1929. We can go back as recent as 2008, 2012. I'm certainly seeing the dot-com bubble burst in the early 2000s. But with all of that taking place, this current phenomena that sort of post-COVID we've been experiencing, and there's many issues that are sort of feeding into why we're seeing some of the challenges in the economy and on Wall Street. But the big question that undoubtedly people preparing for retirement or currently at retirement are asking, and that is, how do I respond to all of this? Do I just sit back and watch it happen? People sometimes respond in panic and say, that's it, I'm out, sell everything. What is the best strategy to stay the course when markets turn turbulent? 
it's easy to stay calm and have fun with the market when it's going up. But when it's going down, gosh, anxiety, fear, panic can easily set in. And so your emotions are in charge. And that's not good. Not the time to let your emotions drive your decisions. But sadly, it happens on an all too frequent basis. It's not the time to abandon your investment strategy, even though things don't look great. The average recession is less than a year. So if you can hold your nose, block your ears, turn the TV off, go for a walk, those are the right steps to take during a recession. But more people tune in to CNBC, more people read the Wall Street Journal, and get further spooked by all the horrible stories you hear and layoffs and corporate profits declining, just in general, economic activity contracts. Credit for businesses and consumers becomes scarce. It's harder to get loans. People stop buying homes. Therefore, they stop going to Home Depot to buy grass seed and lawnmowers and wallpaper and furniture. So it's easy to get caught up in all of the ugliness. That's kind of what we do. We kind of absorb the conducive environment around us that leads us to to make some pretty radical decisions. And I'm here to say, if you just be patient, your patience will be rewarded in short order. We've had a lot of recessions over the past hundred years. Given the robustness of our capitalistic system, we bounce back. There's been shocks to the system. 1929 being probably the most radical. 2008, more in our modern era that we remember pretty vividly, that 49% decline in the stock market hit us pretty profoundly. We saw our 401ks and IRAs probably get hit pretty darn hard. If you're not dependent on the income that month, the old adage, there's a Macy's White Flower Day sale on Wall Street. But in reality, people are not in the mood for that kind of levity. It becomes much more somber. And for those who are in retirement stage, uh, seeing your income drop in half is not pretty. If you're dependent on your monthly cash flow to pay for gas bills and PG&E bills and mortgage payments or car payments or helping your granddaughter, your grandson, education, tuition bills, they don't go down 50%. They stay at those same levels. And so it gets to be a pretty radical environment. And then, of course, if you or your one of your children gets laid off in, in these volatile markets, it further exacerbates the tension and the stress. And so the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, my God, i got to get out of the stock market and buy bonds or go to a CD at the bank or a money market at the bank. Reaction is to reduce your exposure to the stock market because it's not the place to be. People go to cash. And so depending on your stage of life, you're younger and you're still funding 401ks and IRAs, it's a beautiful time. You say, yay, I love recessions. As long as I keep my job, I get to fund my 401k and buy my share prices in my 401k, my IRAs, at a discount in 2008, a 49% discount. That's pretty cool. But if you're retired and you're dependent on your investments to continue with the cash flow experience, 
that's a whole different whole different story. Pat, is there a risk here too for people that maybe overanalyze things? During good times, we kind of anticipate when the statement comes in every month, there's going to be an uptick. But during recessionary times, people tend to get very nervous. And so they're suddenly glued to the TV set every day and they're analyzing what's happening in their market performance and their investments, maybe online. But is there an inherent risk to that overconsumption, overanalyzation of one's positions? And if so, can it occasionally lead people to make decisions that are not necessarily in their best long-term financial interest? There's no question. People overreact. That's the emotional part of how we're built. And some people are much better at containing emotions than others. But the average person is going to get pretty darn stressed out, possibly execute on some decisions that in a couple quarters down the road, you're going to regret because you should have stayed in the market because markets do bounce back. Even in the 2008 Great Recession, merely a year and a half later, markets began to ramp up pretty radically. And so it reachieved those levels that it had heretofore before 2008 Great Recession. And it was one of the quickest turnarounds in history, despite the severity of the drop. And so financial markets historically found this going very difficult. Sometimes doing nothing is the exact answer. And and it's different for everybody. As I mentioned, if cash flow is an issue, Maybe you need to tweak your risk appetite. But if you don't need the cash flow this month or next month, you probably want to go the opposite way of the herd mentality. You want to buy more stocks because there is a, a giant discount. There's a Macy's white flower days. Well, we certainly hear that advice from Warren Buffett all the time, don't we? He buys on the lows. He buys stocks that other people think, why are you buying that? It's cratering. And I guess then the big question that this raises is, is the approach to this, is how we respond to recessionary times different based on one's timeline toward retirement? Because I would imagine, Pat, if you've got 10, 20, 30 years ahead of time, this is a time to maybe increase risk, perhaps. Yet, if you're already at retirement or in retirement, I would imagine one's response would be far more conservative. By the way, you should have a more conservative portfolio mix if you're retired. As sexy, as exciting the stock market is, when you're retired, you want to have less exposure to the stock market. So, recession or not, I'm not sure you should have been 100% in the stock market as a retiree in the first place. So maybe you were looking at the stock market with rose-colored glasses and thinking, oh, markets are always going up. And so if you were poorly diversified from the start, uh, it just further exacerbates your decline and further exacerbates your stress levels and and your emotions are at can't sleep at night because you've seen your balances drop precipitously. And so, you know, there's... The original problem of maybe your your allocations were too aggressive to begin with and not seeing that recession come around the corner and they come quickly before you even realize that there's no time to react. So that's why we meet with clients every quarter and we revisit what's going on in our financial world vis-a-vis their world. And if their cash flow needs have changed or they've got to support children, grandchildren, They've got health issues that are more demanding on their on their monthly budget. That's where those quarterly visits are so absolutely critical to make sure we are being uh, prudent and pragmatic in their asset allocation mix 
up markets up markets down it doesn't matter it's all a matter of what works for that specific client so recessions are not fun to uh, live through up markets are much much more fun but that's life life goes up and life goes down markets go up and markets go down and so it's critically important that we meet with clients regularly and keep our finger on the pulse of our client's financial life vis-a-vis the world around us. So I would encourage our listeners to call. Let's look at what your asset mix is today relative to your cash flow needs, relative to your age, your legacy planning, your tax bracket, et cetera, et cetera. Let's take a fresh look at what that looks like. You may not have had a fresh pair of eyes review your asset allocation mix Come into any one of our Bay Area offices, have a Zoom call, a phone call. We'd be glad to meet with you in the privacy of our offices and just do a fresh review of your asset allocation mix and look at your expense ratios, look at your cash flow, look at your performances. It's just a very good thought to have a, a second opinion. Give us a call at one triple eight plan wise. That's one triple eight plan wise, or go to our website, don't invest and forget. Don't invest and forget.com. Pat Patucci says, Don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Over the certainly last year, we've come to understand that there are a variety of threats that can be tossed at us by life, whether it be global pandemics, economic downturns, wars, rumors of wars, natural disasters, things of this sort. And while certainly that's true to the quality of our everyday living, there are also some significant threats that are posed to your retirement. What exactly are these threats and how can you best be prepared to deal with them? Some insights now from our host, 30-plus year money manager, Pat Petucci. And Pat, it'd be great if we could kind of just go along not worrying about a thing or have a crystal ball that told us the moment before disaster strikes when it would hit and where so we could be properly prepared and, and react accordingly. But unfortunately, life isn't that way. But we certainly do know this, and that is if the unexpected can happen to threaten the quality of our retirement, it possibly will. Yeah, especially post-COVID. We've learned a lot about ourselves after this uh, COVID life that we've lived for a year plus. And there's always threats to retirement, but somehow they were put under a microscope living through this um, pandemic. What I think is significant for a lot of people, those children we had, those wonderful little things, grew up, they moved out, they got a job, and... The pandemic hit, and oh my gosh, they moved back in. They lost their job, or they just couldn't keep up with the madness of keeping their own place. So kids moved back in, and guess what? You love your kids. A lot of emotion. You're going to take care of them. Chips are down. Mom and dad step up. Of course they are. But very subtly, they start to siphon off some of that retirement money that was yours and your spouse's, or if you're a single parent, it was your your money that was going to last the rest of your life. So we get this whole confluence of confusion. You know, we love our kids. We're emotional about it. But then the pragmatism of them costing us money, maybe you got to pick up their cell phone bill. Maybe you got to pick up their car insurance, maybe their car payment. How about the food? They're taking your food, taking it right out of the cupboard and out of the refrigerator and eating it. And now you got to go down to Safeway 
twice as many times because kids eat a whole lot more than mom and dad eat, right? So we've got to be real careful to be pretty darn deliberate about sitting around the kitchen table and talking about what is their contribution going to be. And that's a hard topic. It's really difficult. So I have to caution our retirees to be pretty careful about kids. It's not the retirement dream you thought about living in your child's fourth bedroom is hardly the magical golden years. I guess another thing we've seen that could be a threat to your retirement is keeping too much house. We know if you've got a giant house, ever-increasing PG&E bills, maintenance costs, issues, we're, we're all kind of guilty of that. And do you need the four- or five-bedroom house with the swimming pool that you don't use and the kids don't visit as often because they moved to Michigan or wherever, some real introspection needs to be looked at in, do I really need this much house? Can I buy down to condo or a small one-story house? Or move 100 miles away and, and buy twice the house for half the price? So that's a certain issue. How about just keeping a mortgage? Do I really want to have a mortgage in retirement? It's interest cost. Do I want to trade off that mortgage payment every month for a trip to Europe once a year or a trip to Hawaii or that fancy new new car you've been dreaming about. You certainly having a mortgage is certainly um, a big issue. Another one is giving too much money away. We all want to be charitable. We all want to be gracious. We want to maybe pay our grandchild's special education or help with college costs for our grandchild. Maybe even helping our child with his, his or her mortgage payment or their car payment, or they need a need a car. So we've got to help out there. So we've got to be careful not to give too much money away, have clear expectations. As a retiree, you may live 20, 30, maybe even 40 years. That's an issue. Medical expense is certainly a big issue. As we grow older, more and more of our disposable income will go towards spending money on our health care. What if one of our, me or my spouse, needs long-term care, that nursing home expense, either bringing a medically trained person in the home to assist with medical issues or simple things like bathing and dressing, and you don't have a, a long-term care policy, that can be a bigger and bigger issue. With your house, what about the major expenses? You need a, a new roof. You're, you're getting some lumber rot on your deck that's going to cost fifty grand to a repair. What about your landscape? The whole irrigation system needs to be replaced because it's been there for for a lot of years and now it just isn't working. Or landscaping, you've got to redo the landscaping. There's always issues around a house. Homes are called money pits and so you have to consider what is the expense of keeping that house. Here's another one. The myth of spending less in retirement. In many cases, you can document where you're not going to spend less. You may, in fact, spend more. Yeah, you'll be spending it on different things, hopefully travel and fun stuff and cruises and, you know, nicer gifts for your children and grandchildren. So it's not necessarily you're spending less. You're spending it in a different fashion. You're buying different things. You're not maybe paying a mortgage, but you're spending it on other 
issues that maybe you hadn't even thought about, maybe more health care costs. Another one is taking a loan against your 401k. Not advisable in your later years. You want to make sure that 401k is growing without a debt against it. So 401k loans are frequently not a solution. Maybe in an emergency, that certainly becomes an issue. How about investing too conservatively? You're all in bonds or you're all in cash and you're not taking advantage of uh, some asset classes that will do better. The government publishes inflation numbers, but between you and me and the lamppost, I think those are ultra-conservative numbers that aren't realistic. There are some studies that suggest it is two or three or four times what the government suggests. If it's, if the government is talking about 2%, uh, maybe it's uh, 6 or 8 or even 10%, depending upon what you're buying and your spending habits. But with the redefinition of inflation, excluding food and fuel, we know your food costs are not going down. How about retiring too early? I hate my job. I hate my boss. I'm burnt out. I want to quit. But maybe you don't really have the financial firing power to have a sustainable guarantee income for the rest of your life. So you got to be realistic and pragmatic about not retiring too early. You've got kids that are in college. And so instead of saving for retirement, you're paying college bills. Wow, that's a big, big mistake. And you're always stuck between a rock and a hard place. Should I pay for college or should my child get a loan in lieu of me pounding away for my retirement? When you retire, you can't take a loan out to sustainably guarantee an income stream. You can't take a loan out for college. And maybe your child needs to step up and start contributing to college in lieu of you not saving for retirement. That's a big, big mistake. Have you factored in inflation and how that's going to affect your spending in retirement? And do you have enough spending power to last for the balance of your life? We've got some wonderful software that's been developed over many, many years that will give you your probability of success of sustainably guaranteeing income for your lifetime. They're pretty reliable numbers. And so if you have any thoughts about, do I have enough money, come in and chat with us about how inflation may affect your buying power. Any thoughts, questions, observations about those threats, give us a call. Look forward to it. To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. To get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment, don'tinvestandforget.com. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. 
Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.